Oh, hello there. Quick question for you. Does taking a great brand or product photo feel like a code you simply can't crack? Do you want to give up trying to create visual assets for your business before you've even started? Well, you're about to discover the secrets to taking powerful brand and product photos while strategically sharing them in a way that will serve your bottom line without adding hours of learning to your already packed up calendar. If you're a business owner, maker, influencer, or affiliate marketer, you already know that showing up online with beautiful imagery is super important. That's why I created this free online training especially for you to level up your brand and create the kind of imagery that catches the eye of your customer, the kind of imagery you can be proud of. During this retraining, you will learn my four-step framework for taking brand and product photos that will help you improve your sales and attract more customers without being salesy. You will also learn the top four mistakes most people make with brand and product photos and why these mistakes are costing them major profits. So, are you ready to up-level your visual brand assets? I thought so. For a limited time only, grab your seat for my free training at kellylawson.ca slash free masterclass. That's kellylawson.ca slash free masterclass. I am so excited to be your teacher and I'll see you in class. Have you ever met someone and you just immediately thought, this is someone who I connect with. Like you just immediately know, I want this person in my life and we are going to be friends for a long, long time. That was how I felt when I first met Amanda. I was photographing her wedding, actually, and I realized this woman is a thinker. She shows up unapologetically and she innately wants to help lift up the people around her. And I learned since then that our stories are actually very similar. If confidence is something you struggle to find within yourself, I want you to settle in for this episode and hear Amanda's advice for digging into your soul and uncovering the confidence that lies within you. I truly wish for every woman to hear her message and to learn about the steps that need to be taken and the work that needs to be done to radically love the skin that you are in. Not the someday skin, not the goal body skin, but to start loving who you are right now, today, so that you can show up in the world with your full potential. She is one of my most favorite people to talk to, and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. You're listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. Around here, we believe that taking imperfect action rules. So we're creating space for you to dive in and fast track your success one workshop at a time. Now, refill your coffee cup, grab your notebook, and get ready to join in on your weekly training, listen to meaningful conversation, and learn from industry experts. Here's your host, Kelly Lawson. My friend Amanda Hansen is a mom of two, and she always has a healthy stock of gin and bacon in her kitchen. Like, yes, please sign me up for a gin and bacon date. She has a slight addiction to red lipstick, and small talk is not her vibe. She founded her company Simply Stylish in 2017, and as a personal stylist, her purpose is to help women cut through the BS and shut down their negative self-talk. She is passionate about teaching women how to unapologetically dress the bodies that they have now instead of punishing themselves into a someday body. You guys, I simply cannot wait for you to hear Amanda's message. I truly believe you will immediately look at the world around you a little bit differently after hearing what she has to say. Okay, let's dive in. All right. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. I have known you for a while now. We first met when I photographed your wedding. When was that? Oh, isn't this awful? (laughs) I have no idea. Five, six years Ah! ago. It's, It's not one of those things I pay attention to. It's okay. It's been a few years. And I know the point I wanted to make is when I first met you, I know you weren't doing what you're doing. So the first thing 
I was hoping you could do is maybe share with us how you came to be the stylist, the amazing stylist and self-love advocate that you are, because I know that this isn't something that you've always done. And I think that your story is very inspiring. So I'd love to start with your journey to what you're doing today. Okay. I love my story. It is a little bit of a long one, but I'm going to try and be as concise as possible. So when I met, when I got married, I was still in my previous career and I was a clinical supervisor of preschoolers with autism. And so I had done all of my schooling, my education, certifications, you know, 15 years doing that. And I decided, well, I didn't decide. I just, I got burnt out. And I have a husband who's an entrepreneur and owns his own business. And he was in a program called the Walsh McCain Institute. And he had graduated from it. And so I got to go and see his graduation and see all these amazing entrepreneurs. And some of them were female. And it was the first time the thought actually popped in my head oh, this is something that maybe I can do. I had no idea what, but the seed was planted and that feeling was there. And on our drive home from graduation, I had told him he had known how unhappy I was and I knew he needed help in his business, like support. So like admin, HR stuff. And I was just, so we started to talk about maybe me filling that role for him. And it was going to allow me to have a more flexible schedule because I did really struggle with being a mom, working full-time in a high-stress job, and then also having a husband who was an entrepreneur. And all of those fun things that I had no idea what I was getting into marrying somebody who owns their own business. And I was feeling... I was feeling actually very resentful towards him. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, well, maybe if I went to part-time and I had a flexible schedule, I was going to be able to be home with my daughter part-time before she started school. I was going to work in his business. So maybe I could actually understand it and maybe resent his business a little bit less, even mm-hmm. though like I loved his business and I loved my husband. It just put some extra stressors on our relationship that I had no idea how to navigate because it was never modeled to me. Both my parents just worked pretty much nine to five traditional jobs. Other than my mom was a nurse and did shift work, but it was new to me. And so I decided to leave my career and help my husband for a few years. And, you know, there were some definite benefits from it. So I got to have a flexible schedule. I got to have a taste of what the other side could look like. Mm -hmm. Having my own schedule and being able to manage it and being home with my daughter, which with my son, I never got that option. I was mid degree getting my undergraduate when I had my son and I had to go straight from like school to work and then I went back to school and at one point with him I was working full-time and getting my master's part-time trying to be a single mom so it was like all I knew was that and so being able to have some freedom was really ideal but what I realized was I need to help people and I am a teacher and that was what I did in my past job and that was highly missing. And I was starting to get really unhappy. And I'm not one of those people that, oh, I'm unhappy, complain, complain, complain. I'm like, okay, I'm unhappy. What am I going to do about it? And so talked to my husband. I let him know how I was feeling. I didn't really have another alternative. I didn't have another plan. But in the meantime, while that was all going on, and because I like to help people, I found other ways to fill my cup. And so I started it's called the Buy Nothing Project in my community. It's an international project, but I brought it to the Quispam Sis Rossi area where I live and it kind of exploded. And the Buy Nothing Project is, it's like a hyper-local gifting economy where you give each other gifts, your direct neighbors gifts and hopes to build relationships. And I like <laughs> went in full steam ahead and led that. And so for a year, I just got to participate in things that I was passionate about. And then I, what I did was I taught my neighbors about it. So I invited complete strangers over to my house to teach them how to refinish furniture. I invited complete strangers over to my house to teach them how to make tortillas, <laughs> like homemade tortillas. I organized, you know, they were called junk in the trunk events. So everybody in the buy nothing group, we would all put our, we called them gifts. So just things around the house that you didn't use anymore. In our trunks, we all drove, we got um, a local school to allow us to use our parking lot and everybody just opened up their trunks and brought food. And you just walk around and you get to talk to people and see what they have and they come over and see what you have. Anyways, it was just, it was a year of participating in things I was passionate about. And I actually, it was a thing called Wishlist Wednesday. And so every Wednesday I would make a post and I would just say, make your wish big or small. You know, who knows what a neighbor could grant you? And somebody on that day, she's like, 
I need help in my wardrobe. Like I have no idea what I should wear, what I shouldn't wear. And she was an entrepreneur. And so I was like, I've always been kind of like naturally good at that. I was always known as a well-dressed person. I've always loved shopping. I used to get my mom to make my clothes when I was younger because my mom was a sewer. And so I went over to her house, complete stranger, and I spent three hours in her closet with her. And that was that. And at the end of it, she was just like, I got so much value from this. You need to do this for a living. And I was like, okay. And as soon as I said, okay, the universe just put opportunity and people in my sphere very quickly within like two weeks. And I did like this free business course that our city does. I took a marketing course. I took a personal styling course. So I just did everything I could to soak up the knowledge and start me on this path. And then the self-love aspect, and I don't know if it's going to lead into that, but my original goal was like, well, just women need help in their closet and I want to help them feel good. But what I discovered is one of the huge major roadblocks that women have to feeling good in their clothes is a lot of body image issues. And so I'm using, oh yeah. So my background is psychology and education, and I love to ask the question, why? And so speaking with women, getting to know women and clients, when I dive down deeper into really what's holding them back, a lot of it has to do with limitations that they put on themselves because of shame or feeling a lot of negative thoughts about their body and how it looks. And so it just, I went on my own journey. I would never say I identified as somebody who had a lot of struggles other than around a few things in my life where I've struggled with my own body and certain things about it. And it just kind of went down this journey and I'm so freaking passionate about it because I am very logical person and I can just, I can see it. I can see the other side. And if I can just get them to the other side, it's going to open them up. And I really truly believe that if women can think more positively about themselves, then they can be themselves and they can do the great thing that they were meant to do, whatever that is in their life, whatever their purpose is, whether it's just being a good mom or a good friend or doing big things and changing the world. I think if we can just love ourselves more, then we will be more confident in using our voice. And so it's that's kind of like my end goal. <laughs> but my vehicle is, is starting in the closets. I love that. I love everything that you just said so much. And my mind is blown right now because, okay, I've known you for six years. We've never had this conversation before. Holy smokes, your path sounds so much like mine. It's not even funny. I started as an occupational therapist, which was rooted in psychology. And then my role was helping people and teaching people. And like, it's just amazing. So there must be so many other people I feel listening to this saying like, that's the path I'm on, you know, whether they're in the same place where they're, you know, just getting going with their new business venture, or they're just thinking about it. I feel like you just blew my mind. I had... (laughs) I didn't know your story. I don't know why it took me this long to ask you. I'm so grateful that you just shared it. You're a busy woman. (laughs) (laughs) We both are. (laughs) But I love this. So, so many of our listeners, I'm sure, just resonated with what you just said. I'm wondering what advice you have for anyone who's listening and, you know, they just want to go about their day, maybe loving themselves a little more or feeling a little better about who they are so that, you know, they can set themselves on a trajectory to really serve the world to their full potential. What advice do you have for women who are listening that maybe need a little help with that? So the women that I want to talk to are the women who stand in front of the mirror and feel shame or feel some kind of negative thought or negative emotion, or they've held themselves back maybe from getting in front of the camera or doing a video or wearing a certain dress or attending an event because they're ashamed of what they look like. Those are the women that I really want to be speaking to. And I want to teach them that there is another way of being and there are other ways. And I like to call it like radically loving our bodies. Now, maybe it might not start off as love. Maybe it can just be a neutrality or starting of acceptance. But what Mm -hmm. I want to talk about today is like, I do have five things that I highly recommend that women can take away, I'm hoping after our conversation to either shift the way they think or things that they can just put into action. Because I believe that it has been normalized for women to not love their body or appearance. It's a very, in our society, it's a very normal thing for women to not to feel shame or to not be happy. Like a lot of women talk, you know, I'm a woman. And of course, there isn't things that I love about my body. I hate that statement. 
Mm-hmm. I don't identify with that statement anymore. And I think saying those types of statements is like just, it's an acceptance. It's mm-hmm. just a, oh, what's the word? It's a, like almost like a cop out or settling. Well, that's just the way it is. You're a woman. So of course you don't love something about your body. Like that's normal. And I don't want that to be normal anymore. I want to interrupt for a quick sec to tell you about a product that I've recently come across. I have never been a fan of wearing pantyhose. Most of the time after one wash, they would pill and tear. And honestly, it always just felt like an enormous waste of money to own them. Then came Sheertex. The strongest pantyhose in the world delivered right to my door in the cutest little box. Their fibers don't exist anywhere else on the market. They actually miniaturize the fibers used in bulletproof vests to create a knit just as strong as the people who wear them. You basically have to be Hulk to rip these things. And they have quickly converted me into a person that raves endlessly about my shears. I don't want you to miss out. So head over to kellylawson.ca slash sheertex, S-H-E-E-R-T-E-X and use the code kellyslawson10 to save 10% on your new pair of shears today. When I used to have the clothing store, women would come in and there would always be a list of reservations that they would have. It was almost like boilerplate that they would have for why they couldn't wear or buy a certain clothing item. And the one that used to get to me, I'm just going to like spill it. The one that used to get to me because it was the most frequently said reason was I'm too old for that. And I remember thinking like, okay, I'm 40 and I do the buying and I'm probably older than you are and I would wear it. So I really, that one always got me hung up and I would just, I I didn't know what to do with it. You know, I didn't know how to talk them out of it or teach them how to radically love their bodies enough so that they wouldn't say things like, I'm too old to wear that because I just feel like you can wear whatever you want. And I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe I dress too young, but I would love to hear your thoughts around those things as well. But I also love that you're going to list off sort of five things that people can do because this is a workshop style podcast. So hopefully listeners are grabbing their pens right now so that they can write down and kind of follow along these steps with you. So to answer your question about the I'm too old. And so I, to me, it doesn't matter what the answer, what the specific reason is. They all come back to the same thing. It's some kind of limitation that they think about themselves. It's some kind of box that they put themselves in and that I have women telling me, well, I can't wear this dress because it shows my arms. I can't wear this dress without tights because it shows the veins in my legs. I can't tuck in my shirt because it shows my belly. I can't wear this or, you know, I want to dress my age. I'm scared I'll, I'll look too old or I'll look too young. And so to me, like, they're all the symptom of the same thing. It's some kind of box that they put themselves in. And so I always ask them, like, well, why do you think that? And when we come down to it, they really don't have a reason. (laughs) And so I call them out on it. I was like, you know, I am thinking of a client in particular, one of my recent ones, and it was, she was sending me all these pictures and it was a virtual client. And she was sending me all these pictures of her wearing a dress. And she's like, I can't make this look good or not feel frumpy because I have to wear leggings with it to hide my legs. And I just like, why? Like, why do you have to? It's like, I can't come up. Like, I don't have an alternative for you. I'm not going to (laughs) fix, I can't fix this. There is no perfect outfit that you're going to not feel frumpy in because you're trying to hide your body and I can't fix that for you. And so I call them out on it. And once they realize, oh, okay, the reason why I'm struggling in my wardrobe is because I've put all of these limitations on me. And if I can just get rid of these limitations, it opens up an alternative and I can actually feel good if I just stop trying to hide my body. And that's essentially like, one of my tips is just stop trying to hide what you perceive as a flaw or an imperfection. And so I want to give my own example. So I have a birthmark on my leg and I've, why? I mean, I was born with it, but it's a big, dark brown birthmark right by like my upper thigh. So when I wore my bathing suit or a short short growing up, you could see it. And I, from the time, as long as I can remember, I've been shameful and embarrassed by it. Nobody ever said anything to me. My mom never made me feel shameful about it. It just was this, I am different. This isn't on somebody else. And it was like, I was scared people gonna work with, was going to think it was poo. Like, I just, oh, I made up all of these crazy things in my head. And so 
my whole life, I had to wear either shorts in a bathing suit or a t-shirt over me, or I would walk with my hands covering it. Like, and I remember thinking, well, when, as soon as I become an adult, I'm paying to get this removed. Like I was just so shameful of it. And I was doing it all up into my adult life because, well, that's just what I do. I just, I hide it because I'm different or I see it as a flaw for some reason. And Finally, when I went on this kind of self-love journey is when I'm diving deeper into other women and I recognized it in myself. I'm like, oh, how can I tell these other women to accept what they think is a flaw if I can't first? And so I had to do a lot of peeling back the layers as to why am I ashamed of it? And when I came up with it, I was like, there's absolutely no reason why. Mm-hmm. And we have been conditioned I think, and this is going to get probably too deep, but I'm a generation X. And so would you be right, Kelly? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about our generation, at least where we're all, because we're all in like our forties right now. And Mm -hmm. we have been like the most marketed to generation, like it marketing really exponentially increased just with the amount of TV and movies Mm -hmm. that we all watched. And most of the marketing and commercials are directed towards women because they have always been known as the number one buyers. And mm-hmm. most of that marketing material has all been about telling us how flawed we are and how much we need to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just one of those subconscious things that was ingrained in us. And a lot of us don't even realize we have the beliefs that we do and probably where it came from. But most of our beliefs have come from somebody else. So I am trying to separate Amanda and my beliefs from those things that society has told me I should believe. And it's hard to peel back those layers. So I'm questioning, like, I question everything. Why am I shaving my legs? Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's no reason. Yep. I hear you. And I think the other thing that's notable about that, because yes, we were we were definitely marketed to like a fire hose. And I think today's generation still is. I think one of the fundamental differences there, or at least I hope this is the case, is that today's generation knows the difference between what's real and what's Photoshop or what's altered. In our generation, at least for me, and I'm a photographer and I know how to use Photoshop now, but at the time, flipping through magazines and things like that, I had no idea that these people were altered Mm -hmm. and that they also would represent like 3% of the actual population because that's all that you saw in magazines. So it created this standard that you thought, or at least that I thought was the real standard. Like I should achieve to be more like this person because there must be lots of people that look this way and I don't look that way. And I had no idea that these photos were being altered to the extreme. And also, again, that the people in the photos weren't representative of the average female body. Yeah. And that's definitely shifting. Like there's a huge movement of women who are showing real bodies, all shapes, all colors, all ages. Mm -hmm. And I'm just consuming every single second of that because the more I can see those types of bodies, the more it normalizes it for me and my eye Mm -hmm. and what my eye finds beautiful and attractive. Right. And it's, it's, so it's a lot of undoing. And this goes into one of my tips is having strong boundaries. And so I'm, you know, I heard this saying, you are the average of like the five people, what you surround yourself with. And I truly believe that. So what I am very, very, what I have no tolerance for anymore is anything that triggers (laughs) that old marketing of like, you have a flaw, so you need to fix it or whatever before you were before wasn't enough. And now I'm better and more desirable and, and happy because of how I look now. I'm I immediately, if it's social media, I unfollow those people. And it's just solely to protect my energy and to protect my own thoughts because I do believe no matter how much you want to be separate from other people, you know, being influenced and in comparison to other people, it's still, if you surround yourself with it, it's going to influence you. And I'm also really careful around the people who I surround myself with and how they talk to themselves. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have friends that sometimes say something negative. I mean, I beat myself up all the time about other things. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not being unrealistic, but I don't surround myself, you know, with people who are constantly shaming themselves, shaming their body and doing it in front of their children. I just... I'm very protective of my boundaries and I'm also protective and I put boundaries around conversations that I have and I've been body shamed and I'm in a thin body, but I have been Mm -hmm. body shamed a whole lot about 
my thinness and I don't care what anybody says. You shouldn't be commenting on anybody's body, no matter what size they are. And I stick up for myself and I especially do it when it's in front of my daughter. And there's been conversations that have been around me and my daughter around dieting. And I think that are not a healthy conversation. I'm not saying that wanting to lose weight or to be healthy is a bad thing whatsoever, though I don't I'm anti-diet culture and I don't want that to be normalized around my daughter. And so I just basically either change the conversation or I just say, you know what? I don't have these kind of conversations around my daughter. I don't think that's healthy for her. And sometimes because I'm I'm an Enneagram 8, so that means I am a challenger. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when people say stuff in front of me that I, and I don't want to be necessarily confrontational, but a woman recently was, she was doing the keto diet and she's just like, oh, I'm feeling great, but I get on the scale and I'm not where I want to be and I'm unhappy. And I just went, well, isn't, you just said that you were feeling great. Isn't that the point? Isn't the whole point of exercise and putting food in our body to nourish us and to actually like feel good, not to shrink ourselves? And I called her out on it because it was, had happened in front of my daughter and that probably intimidates some people, but I just, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. And that's just, I want people to wake up <laughs> and listen to what they're saying. And that goes into like my advice number two is words have power. And recognizing, yeah, the words that people say to us can influence us and have power, but the more impactful words that have power are are our own. And so how we talk Mm -hmm. to ourselves in our own heads or out loud really, really can affect how we feel about ourselves. And so I know it's hard to when, I mean, especially for me, I'm very, when I'm depending on where I'm in my cycle, (laughs) I'm very mean to myself on certain days. And I've learned to start journaling about it. And what it does is it allows me to take these stupid, angry thoughts that I'm saying about myself and I write it down on paper so that I can actually just like release it. And then once I like read it, I'm like, oh man, that is not true. This, what I think about myself is not true. And then it naturally leads into reframing. And so I try and encourage women, even if they're being really hard on themselves about what they think is a flaw, whether it's their stomach or cellulite or gray hair or hair on their chins is what other words can you say about yourself that are more positive in hopes that it's hard to say negative things about yourself when you're saying something positive. So to practice saying more positive thoughts and thinking more positive thoughts about us and recognizing that the words you say are very powerful to yourself. And if you say them out loud and you're doing it in front of children, like how children learn and studies have been shown that where they get their self-talk and their body image is, is from generally from their moms. I used to feel like I lived in a perpetual Groundhog Day. Every Sunday, I would need to sit down and take time to think about what I would cook for the week, make a list of what groceries I would need to buy, and then go spend hours at the grocery store collecting the ingredients, sometimes needing to visit two or three places to find everything I needed. And still, we felt like we were eating the same meals over and over. Enter HelloFresh. The meals are pre-planned, the groceries are gathered, and everything I need to prepare delicious meals for my family is dropped off at my door once per week. We are discovering new delicious recipes every week. I am getting the hours of meal prep time back. There is no food waste. And best of all, every meal can be prepared in just 30 minutes. Visit kellylawson.ca slash HelloFresh to check out some of my favorite meals and save $40 on your first box. That's kellylawson.ca slash HelloFresh. I think every one of us, myself included, we would have no problem, and I'm not proud of this, I would have no problem listing 10 things that I'm unhappy with about myself. And I think, yes, I've been conditioned and and cultured into doing that. But I, I love that you're giving some tactical pieces of advice for what to do to smack that down. One thing that I've started doing early on, I think I'm better at it now. I think the older I get, the, you know, the more, what's the word, like unapologetic I am. And I think that's more or less coming with age. But I started saying thank you when people would give me a compliment because for so many years, someone would give me a compliment and I would feel the need to respond to that with some type of self-deprecation. And I have no explanation for that. It just felt right. It was just in keeping with all of that like negative self-talk that I would mean girl myself into. But I just started by simply saying thank you. 
even though I wanted to say, oh, this old thing or, oh, I have all these roles or whatever, just something. If somebody said, hey, you look nice today, I would automatically want to respond to that with, oh, but I'm so pale or I'm freckly or, you know, this shirt I got for $5 at in the bargain bin or whatever. And instead of doing all of that ridiculousness, I just started saying thank you. I wouldn't necessarily be thinking that, but it was an easy way for me to, to smack it down and at least not sort of play into this kind of negative self-talk game. Yeah. And it might feel weird at first saying these positive things about yourself, but eventually when you practice it enough, that thank you is going to come and you're not even going to second guess it. Those thoughts that maybe when you start saying thank you in your head, you might be like, oh my God, I feel so uncomfortable. I want to self-deprecate, but I'm going to say thank you. And eventually once you start practicing it, I bet those thoughts will go away and it's just an automatic thank you. And then you'll probably start actually like, yeah, you know what? I do look damn good and I feel damn good. Thank you for recognizing me, sister. (laughs) Yeah. And the other piece of that is that it validates the person who's giving you the compliment. Like it, it at least changes your thought process into, I'm grateful for the fact that you just said something nice to me instead of making it back about me and how badly I feel about myself. So I think that that's just amazing advice. I love that. I think, I wonder if it comes from... I don't know if it was our generation or a woman thing, you know, where it's selfish is bad. To think highly of yourself is bad. To put yourself first is bad. And I like, I really want to rewrite the definition of selfish. I think selfish women are a good thing. And I remember because I've always been a confident person. I was a perfectionist. I'm actually trying really hard not to be anymore. And I thought, because I had really high standards of myself, and I thought that that was a good thing, but I realized it's actually not. I put a crazy amount of pressure on myself, and it allows me to criticize myself a whole lot because I'm never going to live up to my expectations. But I did used to think that because I thought highly about myself, I was like, oh, that's not a good thing. That's not what women do. That's not what the nice girls do. And I was never known as a nice girl. I was always known as (laughs) the pitch. (laughs) And so I thought that I had to like minimize that. I thought, well, I shouldn't think good about myself, but screw that. (laughs) Screw that. Yeah. Yes, you were just way ahead of your time. (laughs) I was trying to diminish it though. There was absolutely, and I still catch myself trying to do it now, but I'm working hard at battling that inner part of me that's trying to keep my voice small. Mm-hmm. I think you're not alone there. <laughs> a third tip is to actually look at your body. And so I had a client and she was a virtual client. And so one of her homework, pieces of homework, actually all my clients get this homework, is that they take pictures of like their current outfit. So where they're currently at. So I have a sense of like, okay, where, where, what is our baseline? What are we starting with? And I had one client, like she was distraught. She goes, Amanda, I haven't looked in the mirror in a year. Oh, wow. Because she's so shameful of how, and she was aging. So she was going through menopause. Her body has changed and her way of dealing with it was to avoid and actually not seeing herself. So my advice is like, look at your body in the mirror, naked. And where I want to go with this a little bit deeper is I was watching, it was, I don't know if it's called documentary, The Goop Lab on Netflix. It was Gwyneth Paltrow's Thing. And so there, one of the episodes was around women's sexuality and there's a woman that helps women with their sexuality, like pleasure and in relationships. And one of her pieces of homework is you need to get naked and put a mirror in front of yourself, your vagina, and like, yeah, look at it. Get in, get in there. Because like, how can you learn how to pleasure yourself, tell somebody else how to pleasure you if you have no idea what it even looks like? And so I just, I, I take that same theory of how can you start to love yourself or accept yourself if you don't even know what your body looks like. And our bodies change. Our bodies change throughout the day. Like, I don't know, when I mm-hmm. eat pasta, <laughs> my tummy grows about two sizes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I look at my body constantly as it's changing. So I get used to it. So I'm not in shock, right? And so the more you get used to it, the more you can just, well, this is my new body. And often when we don't look at ourselves, all of a sudden we see ourselves in the mirror and then it's like, holy shit, oh, I've got this extra jiggle or this extra dimple. Where did that come from? And then you just start all that negative thoughts come in and I just practice seeing my body every day. So nothing, nothing's a surprise. It's just, I see it and I try and send it as much love as I can and recognize, okay, this is just 
an exterior shell and it is constantly changing, especially as I'm aging. And I have absolutely no control over it. And I think we've been taught that we do have control. And we, or if we don't have control, here's some creams, here's some Botox, here's some surgeries. You have to control your diet. You have to exercise every day. We've been told all of these things that we can control our bodies. And yes, we can treat our bodies badly or not. Like, yes, the food we put into our bodies is important. Moving our bodies is important, but there's a lot of things that we can't control. And why should I withhold my happiness and how I feel about myself waiting for my body to get to this perfect ideal that it never will be? And I don't want to withhold happiness from myself. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, what's funny. You just reminded me of this really random memory when I was in my undergrad. So I would have been around 20 years old. And I remember sitting in class before the prof came, before things got started. And a girl next to me was explaining to a boy that was in the class that she was having a fat day. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that term. She said, I'm having a fat day. And he's like, well, what is that? Like he had no idea. And I sort of more or less didn't have any idea what that was either. And she said, well, it's just a day where I feel really fat. You've never heard of that. And at the same time, I was like, oh, I didn't know that 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 was a thing. Like, I feel that too. And I think hearing you say that your body changes throughout the day, that's like, that's some breakthrough information for me because I had never really considered that my body would change throughout the day based on what I had to eat or maybe how much rest I had or how much salt I ate the day before or that kind of thing. And I think that that's another way that we can go a little easier on ourselves. Like maybe you're not feeling great today, but it'll pass. It doesn't mean that you have to go get Botox or stop (laughs) eating or wear tight underwear that are horrifically uncomfortable. Like just relax, (laughs) forgive yourself, give yourself a little space to just be a human and let your body do what it's going to do day to day. Yeah. And our body does freaking amazing things for us. And what puts it in perspective for me is remembering that there's people who can't walk. Mm-hmm. There's people who are missing limbs. There's people who have been burned over 90% of their body. There's people who can't see, can't talk. There's so many other people who, you know, have all these other major challenges in their life. And really, whether my belly is <laughs> sticks out or not is really doesn't freaking matter. Like, it doesn't matter. And, you know, I don't want to go too deep in this topic because it's a whole other topic in itself. but having fat phobia is a real thing in our society and it's huge. And I see it a lot. And some of my clients who are even a size two and they're trying. So what does that mean, fat phobia? Can you define what that means? I've never heard that before myself. Fat phobia is just being afraid of being fat and having a stomach. I I see it more around showing a stomach. And so I know a lot of women who are size two and are absolutely petrified to show. So like, I call it my paunch. <laughs> you know, that part for me, my paunch is like between my mm-hmm. stomach and like my pelvic bone, like it's rounded there. And mm-hmm. they're so afraid to show that part because they've been told or they do believe that having a stomach is ugly and undesirable and bad. And so they will do anything in their power to hide that or to shrink it. And it's that constant, oh my God, I've gained 10 pounds. Now I need to start restricting. Now I need to start exercising every day. I hear it like, oh, I just ate that cheesecake. Now I got to go run 10 kilometers tomorrow to burn it off. Like it's that, oh, I ate this. So now I need to go punish myself. That, Mm. you know, there's fat phobia is just a fear of being fat and society thinking that fat is bad. And I know women who are fat. And yes, I'm using the word fat because I want to start using it because a lot of people think that they associate the word fat meaning bad, that it is a bad thing. It's an insult. And a lot of women who are fat are actually trying to actually embrace that word and say it's, it's just a descriptor. It's just a descriptor. If you think it's bad, it's because you've been told that fat equals bad, but it it isn't. It's just a descriptor to describe a body. And a lot of women are just trying to shift and trying to, you know, own that word and get that back. And it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. So I know some, I've heard stories of like moms that are like, oh, my kid was called fat and I'm so angry. And how dare somebody bully my child? And my thought is, Yes, that word was probably used in a derogatory way towards your child to try and insult them. But don't teach your child that that's actually an insult. 
Because if you think that it is an insult, then that is a belief. It perpetuates the belief that fat actually is bad. And a lot of women who have fat on their bodies, it's they love themselves. And a lot of them are probably way healthier than I am. <laughs> like they can outrun mm-hmm. me and I'm in a thin body. So it's just trying to shift away with the belief that actually fat is a bad thing and it shouldn't be an insult. And it's only an insult if you actually believe that it's bad and you don't have to. Does that make sense? Have you guys seen my new website? It's pretty gorgeous. And if I know you, you're probably feeling like your website isn't as good as you'd like it to be, and you're struggling a little to find the perfect solution. Well, my friend, I have some advice for you. Get a tonic site. Until I discovered tonic, I was on that struggle bus too. And my tonic site has forever changed the way I show up online and in my business. Tonic sites are completely customizable. They're code-free and built with all the best marketing strategies in mind. It's time for you to have a site that looks just as good and probably even better than others in your industry so you can finally stand out in a way that's perfectly unique to you. And today I'm giving you that extra little nudge that I think you've been waiting for. Save 15%. That's up to $200 on your new site. Just go to kellylawson.ca slash tonic site to find your perfect site and use the code Kelly Lawson to save 15% on your gorgeous new site today. I remember learning, and I don't know what era it was, but, you know, back in the early 1900s, that it was actually a symbol of affluence and wealth to be heavy, right? To be a little bit over or above average weight. Mm -hmm. And the perception then was like, that was super desirable. And I don't, I wish I knew what era it was. I don't. But now we like fast forward to today and we're this kind of like fitness obsessed culture. And it's interesting to hear you say that because it doesn't, take me any time scrolling on my Instagram to see before and after photos of, you know, people, you know, after like post-workout or post-weight loss. And I guess on a subconscious level, that does play on me. And I never really thought about that before. Like I just see it and think, oh, you know, good for them. I have no time for the gym and I just keep scrolling. But yeah, like that definitely can play into this whole narrative of, you know, am I good enough? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's something like that. If I see that, it triggers me it triggers Mm -hmm. me that it's like, it triggers me in the way, like it doesn't trigger me to start thinking about it. My body, what it does is it makes me angry because I'm like, I feel bad for that person because I'm like, you're still stuck in that old way of thinking Mm. and they're perpetuating it and it makes me angry. (laughs) Yes. And well, and to even depict it in photos like that, right? As a before and after, even just visually, it's like less than, more than. And what happens to that person when they fall back? to that before, to looking similar to that before photo, like they're almost stuck in a mindset that I'm less than when I look like this. I'm more than, or I'm better when I look like this. So that's very powerful stuff. It is. And learning, and so in that case, I'm going to take a little spin. So I know a lot of women who I've worked with, they reach out to me because they've lost weight. And I've had women reach out to me because they gain weight. And also because they've lost weight and they no longer know how to dress their body. And so when I talked with them, they are still struggling in their body image because they're doing the work externally, but they haven't done the work mentally first. And what they're also finding is that all of a sudden they've lost, you know, say 40 pounds and everybody is complimenting them. And they're like, I didn't get one damn compliment before. So does that mean I was ugly and undesirable and not beautiful before? And that really is messing them up. <laughs> and so yeah. I just want, I want people, I just not, I, it's not that I don't want people to stop complimenting each other. I just want people to stop complimenting them based on their appearance. Yeah, just start complimenting people on a regular basis is something that I love to say all the time. Like if you're having a shitty day, give three to five people a genuine compliment and you'll feel better. Yeah. It's just like this really simple life hack that I have. I'm like, I'm having a shitty day and I'll go on social media and I'll leave five compliments to like the next five people in my Mm -hmm. feed and then I feel better. And I think maybe that's what the message needs to be. Like we just need to compliment each other with reckless abandon. Like don't wait for a reason to compliment someone. Give them a comp, like everybody who's listening today, like just when this podcast ends, the next five people that you see, give them a genuine compliment. I swear it'll make five days better, six, it'll make six (laughs) days better because your day is going to be better. And the five people that you just gave a compliment to are going to have better days too. (laughs) Sorry, I'm taking you off track. No, no, no. I feel like I could talk to you for about six hours, but (laughs) so, okay, moving right along. What's your next piece of advice? My last one is I'm about to swear. So you can bleep it out or mamas cover your kids ears if you don't swear in front of your children is be a fucking rebel. 
And I want women to just challenge the status quo. And I want them to start rejecting societal norms and pressures and recognizing that the beliefs we have about our body is a belief that someone else gave to us. And I really want them to start peeling back the layers in how you get to decide how you want to feel. So those times that I am starting to feel bad about myself, whether it's a trait or something I've said or done or about my body, I question like, is it true? Most times it's not. And I question then if I did have this belief, where did it come from? And if it really isn't something I truly believe or want to believe, then I know that I have the power to believe something else. And really like the shape of my body and what I look like is really the least interesting thing about me. It's not the thing that my family is going to remember me by. It's not something that, you know, when I look at my friends, I don't care what they look like, how big their stomach is, how small their stomach is. I don't care what they look like. You know, I don't care what the shell of their soul looks like. And why am I putting so much effort and time and negative energy into my own? And so when I look at it like logically, because that's just where my brain goes, I'm logical and rational. And then really when I peel back the layers, it doesn't make sense. And so I'm trying to encourage women when they're standing in front of me in front of their closet and they're, well, I dress this way because I'm trying to hide this body part. And so I just encourage them, be a rebel, like challenge that thought and force yourself to think something new and have a different belief and ask yourself, do you really want to continue to think that way? Most times like, I don't want to feel bad about myself. So no, hell no, I don't want to be, feel bad about myself. So I'm going to choose to actively try and think and believe and say different things about myself. So I want women to question, why do you feel like you need to hide your stomach? Why do you feel like you have to cover the gray all the time? And I'm not saying like you have to cover, you don't have to cover the gray, but just ask yourself why. And if you're like, if you're happy with the answer, then continue. But if you're not happy with the answer, you can choose something different. And yeah, be a fucking rebel. It is no secret at all that I love to shop. When I find something I love, I buy it in every color and I live in it. Generally speaking, I dress for casual style and comfort, but I also invest in pieces that go with everything else in my closet. I guess I'm a lover of leverageability in all areas of life. I get asked a lot where I got my clothing items and I try to tag these products as I post them online. But for those of you that want to get a better look at what I'm adding to my capsule each season, head to kellylawson.ca slash mystyle. I'll add the latest and greatest fashion items as I find them and link to the best deals I can find. So make sure you check in regularly and happy shopping workshop warriors. By the way, like self love is definitely like not a one and done type thing. It's it's something that you need to do actively every day. And it doesn't matter what your body type is or what you look like. I think absolutely everyone on some level, especially women, struggle with self-love. The skinny women struggle with self-love. The fat, and I'm using that word because you said it's yeah. okay to, women struggle with self-love. And I think when you achieve whatever appearance you think is ideal for you, things don't magically just get better. Things don't just magically fall into place. You're not just going to magically wake up one day and be this self-confident human that's, you know, knocking all of your goals out of the park because you lost five pounds. It just doesn't work that way. And I'm sure that, you know, I mean, I definitely went through phases myself that I don't really talk about all that openly, but here I go. I've gone through phases where I've restricted my diet where I've felt like I needed to, you know, lose all kinds of weight. And, you know, that's one thing. And it's, you know, it's not that hard to do if you're willing to really like punish yourself, as you put it. But even when I was there, nothing was better. I didn't feel any better about myself. And so I think what you're doing is huge. I think that you're part of a massive movement and it's so powerful and I like I truly wish for every woman in the world to hear your message because the work actually comes from the inside not from the outside and I think that's really the point that you're making here and it's so powerful and so important and so huge and if we could all just love ourselves a little more I think we would be better equipped to love each other a little more too and it is no secret that the world needs a lot more of that. Yeah I love how you summarize that absolutely. We put so much, too much focus on the work on the outside and we're ignoring the work that needs to happen inside. And you're 100% 
correct that it doesn't happen overnight. And it is trying to accept yourself and love yourself more is an active thing that we have to do every day. And there's going to be some days we do better at it. And there's going to be some days that we don't, but that's okay. We just have to keep trying. And I just want women the next time that they're being, they see a message that they get that like, huh, that made me feel bad about myself instead of accepting it or ignoring it, like acknowledge it and ask yourself, okay, why did that make me feel bad? Hey, that's not okay that somebody's talking to me like that. And I did that in our community. There was some advertisement a while, a few years ago where they were marketing to women saying that, you know, facial hair is for cats and dogs. So you should, you know, come in and get your facial hair. And it was interesting. I had three reactions. So when I brought that out and I kind of called them out on it and said, you know, this is not okay. I had three reactions. One was support. Yeah, that is not okay. It's not okay to compare me to a cat and dog to try and sell me your service. I got a reaction where it's like, oh, I thought that was, you know, cats and dogs are cute. I didn't think it was a big deal at all. And now that you've pointed it out, huh, maybe that's not okay. And then my third reaction was, Amanda, that's awful. This is a small business trying to make money and how, you know, they didn't mean to be mean. And I actually agree. I agree that a lot of times how some industries market to us, they're just doing what everybody else is doing. And they don't even recognize that what they're doing is harmful to women. Like the fitness industry trying to sell women like, oh, you're going down south or you're going into your wedding dress come get your body ready for it. Like that is so harmful to women, but it's all they know. And they don't even recognize that it is harmful because it was an accepted status quo thing. And the people who don't have an issue with it, what I question is, you know, sometimes replace that. So let's go back to the word fat. What if the advertisement said fat is for whales? Come get on your diet. My guess is that would have a huge uproar of women not happy. But to me, it's the same thing. Like your facial hair is undesirable and ugly and you look like an animal or a cat, like a cat or a dog, come get it fixed. So I clearly saw that, but not enough people did. And what I'm hoping is that women can now recognize it and be like, that is not okay. And use their voice to be like, I, that's not an acceptable way to market to me anymore. It's harmful to us. It's harmful to our future generations. And so that was, sorry, I just totally got a little soapbox there. I love it. Like, I think it's an important message to hear. And I would love for you to keep sharing your messages for the next hour. I'm probably going to have to have you back on the show. (laughs) Amanda, I am so grateful for you. And I'm so grateful for these powerful messages that you're sharing with women. They're so important. I know that they resonate with me and I'm probably right inside of your target demographic. I am so thankful that you spent an hour today talking about these things. And thank you. Thank you for letting me (laughs) do it. I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. And I just can't wait to put some of your tips into action for myself. Thanks, Kelly. See what I mean? Isn't she amazing? Don't you just wish her message could be yelled from the hilltops for every woman to hear? I always feel like I could talk to her for hours. I've been watching Amanda from the start of all of this, and she gets genuinely lit up about helping women change the narrative from within, and you can truly feel the confidence just oozing out of her. I am so excited to watch for what Amanda does next. I hope you'll go find her on Instagram and connect with her too, because this woman is a change maker. And heck, she's already changed the way I perceive things and the way I'll be showing up in the world. Until next time, Workshop Warriors, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Workshop Weekly Podcast. And don't forget to head on over to kellylawson.ca slash 003 to grab the worksheet from today's workshop, along with discount codes, show notes, and most importantly, how to connect with Amanda. Until next week. Thanks for listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.theworkshopweekly.com or leave a review on iTunes. And we'll see you next week for another action-packed episode, you workshop warrior you.